Hey, we're in the middle of this series, uh, coming up on the tail end, as I mentioned, called Unmodern Family. And today, I have the honor and the privilege of, of sharing with you Pastor Greg and the entire Wickfield family are at Virginia Beach, out of town on vacation. So don't text them, don't call them, don't bug them. They are out of Dodge, and I'm happy for them. Uh, so that gives me an opportunity to share, and I'm really excited. Um, this series, Unmodern Family, obviously a play on words because you got the TV show, Modern Family, and then you have what culture would tell us uh, that we need to be like and what we need to act like and how we need to live our lives. Uh, but following the Lord and His plan for our lives and living out His kingdom agenda for, for uh, women, men, children, uh, people of all ages, no matter who you are, if you are going to live out God's kingdom agenda in your life, then it is not going to be a very popular opinion. It's not going to be very popular to culture. And so we've talked about Family at large, Pastor Greg kicked it off when he talked about the entire family and how families can be used to demonstrate God's glory here on earth. It's a perfect example, a godly family. It's a bright, shining light of how God king, God's kingdom can operate. And then we talked about women on Mother's Day. That was an incredible message for the ladies. We've talked about men. Brody, I, I don't know if you were here last Sunday. You need to go back and watch online the message that he gave to youth and to children, and how God has a calling on everybody's life. You don't have to wait till you're grown up and have it figured out. It was amazing. And today, I'm excited because I get to talk to you about singles. And so half of you, or over half of you, probably just checked out. You're like, well, I'm not a single. This doesn't apply to me. I'm not going to get anything out of the rest of this message. We really should have gone to the barbecue. We should be on the lake. But I believe that these principles that apply to, to kingdom-minded singles apply to all of us. And so I really want you to tune in because no one escapes God's kingdom agenda. No one. And that includes singles. So whether you've never been married, whether you're divorced, whether you're widowed, or if you're married, God wants you to, uh, to use you to build his kingdom so I've shared this story before. I'm not proud of it, but I figured it would fit today. So humor me. I feel like we have enough new people where you haven't heard this story. You know, not too long ago, I was in college. I was a young lad, single, and uh, as, somewhat single. So here's the start of the story. From North Carolina, at Liberty in Lynchburg, Virginia, kind of had, sort of, not really, a girl back home. Yeah, it's not going well, right? Yeah. So I'm at school, and I found myself in this home relationship that I never wanted to be in, didn't want to be in, but could not get out of. And so at school, you know how it goes, meet lots of wonderful people, met a girl that was really cool. We are hanging out, nothing inappropriate. I wasn't, you know, being shady, but began developing interest. And so one day I'm driving across campus in my car. I remember where I was, the buildings, the scenery, everything. And I get a text, and it's from this back home girl. And she was on a missions trip, and I had kind of been trying to uh, develop some distance, and so I wasn't kind of responding, and she was kind of getting concerned. And so I, I finally just kind of caved. I, didn't, I was like, as soon as she comes home, we're going to have this conversation. I just have to cut this clean and do the right thing. And so I, I was like, but I can't do it while she's on this mission trip. So I'm like, hey, baby girl. I hope you're having a great trip, blah, blah, blah. It was bad. Because the next thing I know, I get an instant response from college girl. And she said, I think you have the wrong baby girl. 
It was not good. That was my reaction. <laughs> that was my reaction. I was just like flushed. I'm like, what have I done? And the text conversation order got mixed up. I had texted the wrong message to the wrong person. I screwed it up big time. So you can guess that I, I eventually, obviously, ended it with the girl from back home and, and uh, ended it for myself, this, you know, potential relationship. But hey, God in his providence worked everything out for the good of those who love the Lord. I'm married, it's awesome. <laughs> but that's a terrible story of probably how a lot of us have been in our single years, because I know I'm not the only one. At Liberty, and probably most colleges, they had this thing called ring by spring. Anybody ever heard that term? Ring by spring, right? These girls get marriage fever. They're like, I cannot graduate my senior year without getting a ring by spring. It was like your life's mission was to be married. So I know that I'm not the only one. So you can laugh, you can poke fun at me, call me baby girl, it's my lifelong nickname. I get it, it's cool, I've come to terms. What I didn't have, and if you wanna pull out your notes, grab your destiny pen and just track along, what I didn't have was a kingdom view of singleness. Because singleness, it is a valid kingdom lifestyle. Not only is it possible to be single and live a fulfilled life, it is sinful to be otherwise. And I don't want to just kind of harp on singles today. I really want to speak to everybody in the room because if you are married and you feel like you're in a situation that you're struggling or whatever it may be, it obviously is about a lifestyle and God wants to use it. If you are not fulfilled, whether you're single or married or in any circumstance, you're living in sin. There's so much emphasis on marriage and family, especially in the church, you know, from my young years, it's just kind of like marriage is put on this pedestal as it should be. And so uh, many in the church, many single men and women wonder whether it's possible, because we're inundated with got to be married, is it possible to be single and satisfied? But not only is it possible to be single and fully satisfied and fulfilled, it's sinful if you're not. If you're single and happy in the role that God's given you, you don't have a complete handle on a kingdom of God's kingdom view of singleness. That's not what God thinks about when he thinks of singles. You know, um, I've heard marriage kind of described as flies on a screen porch. There's flies on the inside wanting to get out and flies on the outside wanting to get in and it's like nobody's happy, right? You probably heard this illustration. And I've met people who are frustrated because they're single, they're lonely. I can't find a mate. That's, what I That's my heart's desire. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm just, I'm frustrated. But then I've also met married people who are miserable that, and they're like, man, I, I just wish I could be single again. And so you can see that it doesn't really matter your marital status. God wants you to stop coping with marital status. Whether you're single or married, he doesn't want you to cope. He wants you to succeed. I love what Paul says in Philippians 4. He says, I'm not saying this because I am in need. You ever want to just smack Paul? You ever just want to smack him? He's like, not I. But he was just so perfect. He was so good. He wrote like the majority of the New Testament. He's like, and he had to get this in there. I'm not saying that. This because I am in need. For I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. You know, when I think about that last part of that scripture, I think about Steph Curry, you know, NBA Finals. It's like, I can do anything. It's like, I used to think I could go, like, lift a car up, and God will help me. 
But what he's really saying is that God will help you in any life circumstance. No matter what you're facing, if you give God the reins, if you let him have it all, if you say, God, do what you want to, he will. And he will help you in any life circumstance. So since I've already kind of let on that I didn't handle my single years in the best way possible, I've had all the pitfalls, all the feelings, all the emotions, all the issues that many single people have, we're going to just kind of look at a passage of Scripture. So if you brought your Bible and you want to flip it open, it'll be on the screens as well. But 1 Corinthians chapter 7 is going to be our text today. And we're going to look at the professional single himself, the Apostle Paul, because he had some things to share on marriage and being single that apply to each and every one of us. And in 1 Corinthians 7, he presents us with a challenge that it runs extremely counterculture to what the world would tell us today, even in the church world, and that is that being single, and this is controversial, being single is more desirable for a Christian than being married in terms of advancing the gospel and God's kingdom. If you are single, and listen up to this, if you are single, you are actually in the best possible situation to carry out God's kingdom agenda here on earth. And so we're going to talk about that. It's not my words if you're kind of like, hold up a minute, I like my marriage. I do too, so let's learn and see what he's saying. Let me just say that these are just Paul's harebrained ideas or opinions. This is the inspired word of God. So this passage of scripture is just as valid as John 3.16, for God so loved the world. He, this is the inspired word of God. He came over Paul. Paul penned the scripture, but it's not like it's just his ideas or something he's like, hey, take it or leave it. It, it really is. So now, uh, before we dive in, I want everyone to understand that just as God gives some of us spiritual gifts, he gives different temperaments, he gives different personalities, not everyone is called to be single. I would say that most people do not have this gift. I have a cousin in Minneapolis, and growing up, he was like, you know how you have cousins and friends and people you just look up to and admire? He was amazing. He's, you know, several years older than I am, like 10 or 15 years older. So when I was a boy, he was like a teen. He was buff. He was good looking. He had a great family. Everything about him was awesome. And he just felt like he had this calling on his life to live a celibate single life. And he's, I, he still seems young to me, but I think he's like in his 40s now, never married. And it's not that he doesn't have urges or desires or not interested in women. There's nothing wrong with him. He just feels like he's called of God to be single. And so you can find him most days in downtown Minneapolis. Uh, he owns his own law firm and everything. But outside of work, he'll be passing out Bibles for the Gideons and street witnessing. And that's his life's calling. And I don't have that calling. And you may not have that calling. Not everybody is called to do this. But if you are single, God can make your situation a blessing instead of a bitterness. But you have to look at him to do it. So there's three keys uh, for the single. And you're not going to like it. But the first step to living out a kingdom agenda as a single is you have to wait on the Lord. It's kind of common sense. It seems kind of like a no-brainer. And most of you are like, I've been waiting on the Lord. That's not my problem. What's point number two? So that's what you're thinking, but while many people are waiting, not all of them, not all of us, not all of you are waiting on the Lord. And there's a huge difference between watching the clock, you know, counting seconds and days and saying, I've been single for this long. I've really... There's a difference between just watching time and purposely waiting on God to accomplish his will in your life. There's a huge difference between the two. Most singles are waiting and looking for an opportunity to marry because they don't plan on staying single their entire lives. But, and write this down, God's concern for, waiting, uh, for a waiting single is how 
and what you are doing while you're waiting. How are you doing and what are you doing while you're waiting? You can't speed up the process. I mean, I guess you could find somebody and if they said yes, you could marry them tomorrow, but the process isn't going to speed up because you just have all these things churning inside of you. The waiting is just part of the process, but you can control how you are doing and what you're doing. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 25, it says, Now about virgins, so these are obviously single people, and now about virgins, I have no command from the Lord, but I give a judgment as one who by the Lord's mercy is trustworthy. Because of the present crisis, I think that it is good for a man to remain as he is. So Paul is saying, I think if you're a virgin, if you're single, it's fine if you stay that way. So let me clarify that Paul isn't saying, here's my opinion, take it, leave it for what it's worth, you know, apply it to your life. Um, this is the inspired word of God. And so what he's saying, he's like, hey, listen, Jesus didn't address this while he was here. So let me tell you what he told me to say. This is the inspired word of God. What he's doing here is he's tying singleness to moral purity. In order to wait the Lord's way, you're going to have to, uh, you're going to need his help. You're not going to be able to wait without God's help. So if you're compromising in your moral life, you're not going to get God's blessing on the plans and the hopes and the dreams that you have. So if you are a virgin, if you're single, if you're waiting, be as you are. Wait. Maintain your moral purity. Many times, you know, sexual fulfillment is a driving force behind getting married. And let me just stop here for a second and say I love the church. I've grown up in the church my entire life. Um, I think the, mer- the, the church really does a great job on highlighting things that should be focused on. And, but, you know, we're people, and sometimes we make. And I feel like since day one, you know, it seems like people who were married and people who love marriage and all this kind of, they just promote marriage, and it's awesome. But then you kind of build up these expectations for what marriage is, and you, you have this long-awaited thing for this sexual fulfillment, and then you're married, and you're like, wow, that's a lot different than what I was expecting, Right? Many of you have experienced that. I can tell I'm not the only one talking to myself today. (laughs) Sexual fulfillment is this driving force, and the church promotes it. And so young people just have this, like, constant pressure. They're young, hormones raging. My dad said that a hundred million times. Hormones raging, boy, right? (laughs) It's just how we are, how God created us. And thank God for the gift of, of sex and intimacy and marriage. But we build up this idea in our minds And sexual fulfillment, while it's a legitimate need, what you think marriage is as a young person might not end up being what you actually experience. It takes time to develop in marriage and learn to to live with a person and learn how to to exist with them in a peaceful, harmonious way, how to support them and love them. And sex is a part of that thing, but it shouldn't be the driving force behind marriage. So while you're waiting on the Lord, make sure you're thinking straight because Paul is telling us that there are bigger things at stake in the Christian life than our marital status. And I want to say that again because I think it's one of the biggest points today. Paul's telling us that there are bigger things at stake in the Christian life than our marital status. And this wouldn't be such a big deal if church and culture didn't make singles feel like second-class citizens. A lot of times, if you're not married, it's kind of like, i got to fix you up. Hey, let's set them up. This person, uh, what's wrong with them? Are the... Being single is a valid kingdom lifestyle. But God doesn't place a different value on being single or married. In verse 27, he says, Are you pledged to a woman? Do not seek to be released. Are you free from such a commitment? Do not look for a wife. So if being single weren't perfectly fine, he would have told every Christian, 
Get married. You got to be married. You got to find your spouse. But he doesn't say that. If you're pledged to a woman, don't be released from that. Be pledged to her. If you're free from a commitment, don't feel like you have to enter into it. There's nothing wrong with being single. You can be single and be perfectly content. So we know there are many challenges that come with marriage, but there are also what I like to call benefits of singleness. And so you can write that down. Here are a few benefits of being single. And so if you're single, you're going to relate to this immediately. If you're married, you're going to remember what this was like. It'll be fun for everybody involved. So 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 28. I love this. It says, if you do marry, you have not sinned. And if a virgin marries, she has not sinned. But those who marry will face many troubles in this life. And then here's the professional single, Paul himself, just getting one in. I want to spare you this. (laughs) I love that, right? And he's not saying that marriage is bad, marriage is wrong, you shouldn't have these desires. He's simply saying that marriage brings along trouble, conflict, issues. And if you're equipped to handle that and you're in a mutual relationship where both people are loving God and seeking God, marriage has the potential to be an incredible blessing and a reward in your life. But it also brings along challenges, and he wants to spare us. So basically, Paul's telling us that marriage brings these challenges, and if you're single, and you don't believe me, and you don't believe Paul, but you're sitting next to a married person, just lean over and ask them. They'll tell you. Marriage brings challenges. So you think that you're miserable by yourself, but you can be miserable in company. You know, we, we all know single people who have this longing and desire. They're lonely to be married, and, and it's a legitimate longing and desire. I think God places that in people's hearts, and so there's nothing wrong with that. But I've also met people who've jumped the gun, who've rushed God's process, who've, who've you know, rushed into a marriage, and now they find themselves trapped. Now they find themselves with this burden of marriage. And so most married people will tell you there are a lot of things about marriage you can't know until you get there. There's personality conflicts. There's emotional struggles. Um, There's the clashing of of wills when two sinful people are living under the same roof. The potential for heaven on earth is in every marriage. It's in every marriage. No matter the state of your marriage today, the potential for heaven on earth is in every marriage. But so is the potential for hell on earth. You can have either one. It just depends on the attitude that you have and if you are truly selling your life out and living for God's kingdom. So that's why if you're single, don't ever think that you can marry to escape your problems because you just can't marry and your problems magically disappear. All you do is drag your problems, drag your issues right into a marriage with another person and it complicates the issue. Paul's trying to warn singles that there is trouble in relationships. So if you're single... You have less worries, concerns, and distractions, and with that comes more flexibility. There's less worries, there's less concerns, there's less distractions, there's more flexibility. Married people can't come and go as they please. You know, when I was young, in my teen years, my brother and I were a part of our band uh, growing up at my home church in North Carolina, and our worship pastor was a good friend of both of ours. He was a little bit older than us. He was married. He had started having children. My brother was dating. I was single, but neither one of us were married. And we would finish band practice on Thursday nights or Tuesday nights whenever we had band practice, and it'd be about 8 or 8.30, and we were buddies with the drummer and the guitar player. It's like, hey, let's go to Ham's. Let's go to Chili's. Let's go, to, let's go have fun. And, and this guy, Josh, our good friend who was married, always be like, hey, guys, sorry, you got to... Got to head home. And my brother and I would give him such a hard time. Like, come on, man. What are you going to do? The kids are in bed. Come on. Like, and you know, what, you know what I'm saying, right? And now that you're married, you kind of realize, like, you just don't have the flexibility that you used to have. 
Even though singles have less worries and concerns and distractions and more flexibility, it seems like every time a single person is turning around, a married person or someone is trying to fix them up with someone. And if it's not someone else who's trying to set you up, then you're trying to do it yourself. You're running around, I've got to find a mate. I need to find a mate. I want to be married. I've got to find a mate. It's your sole focus. But I want to warn you that roughly half of all marriages end in divorce. That's just a stat of today. Inside and outside of the church, unfortunately, doesn't make much of a difference. Roughly 50% of all marriages will end in divorce. And so if I were to tell you that 50% of all planes that took off were going to crash, you would be very, very careful in selecting which plane you jumped on. That's just a fact of life. And so we really need to put the same consideration and the same focus into approaching marriage, that it's a very serious. It takes hard work. It's not for the faint-hearted. So how will you meet the right one? So Adam and Eve are a perfect example of how God can take and just totally orchestrate our lives. He created Adam. Adam didn't know he had this need, but God himself, Adam wasn't like, I'm lonely, God, help me. He was just naming the animals and living in the Garden of Eden in perfection. It was awesome. And God said, hey, I think it would be better if he had a helpmate. And so God did this for him. God was Adam's matchmaker. God knew where Adam was, and he brought Eve to Adam. And if you want to find a mate, you need to find somebody who knows where the mate is. If you knew where the mate was, you'd probably already be married by now. God knows where your mate is. You need to know him, and he will take you to your spouse, your future spouse. In other words, let God be your matchmaker. Focus on the Lord and let him do the looking for you. If you're single, keep your antenna tuned for the Lord's frequency, and he will guide and direct you. The book of Ruth, I love this illustration. You heard this, I think, a few weeks ago when Pastor Greg was going off on his Boaz joke. You guys remember that? Right? Ruth and Boaz. It's an incredible story because um, Ruth was uh, married into a family, and Naomi was her mother-in-law. Well, Naomi's husband passed away. She had two sons. Ruth uh, was married to one, and, and another person was married to the other. Both her sons died. So the men in this story have died. Naomi is, is a widow, and then her two daughter-in-laws are also widows. And so Ruth, uh, they're all in this terrible situation. There was a famine on the land. It wasn't a great circumstance. And so uh, Naomi was going to go to her homeland in Bethlehem. And she said, hey, you girls, you're free from your obligations with me. Go find a spouse. Go marry. Just take care of yourself. And Ruth clung to Naomi and said, I'm not going to leave you. And there's this beautiful passage of Scripture in the book of Ruth where she just tells her, I'm committed to you for life. And so she's not an Israelite. By going with her, uh, with Naomi, to Bethlehem, it almost guarantees that she will never find a spouse. But it is so cool as you read this story how God orchestrates and lines up and puts this desire for Ruth in Boaz's heart. And where there would be no potential suitors, no potential mates, he divinely orchestrates this union and, and uh, Ruth has all of her needs met, and uh, Boaz is an awesome husband. He takes care of the whole family. He rescues them from disaster. But she wasn't seeking that. She was just serving God, living out his kingdom agenda in her life. And God often, a different story, different circumstance, plants this desire for her in Boaz's heart. And you have no idea what God is orchestrating on your behalf today if you're a single young person or old. It doesn't matter. If you're single or if you have desires, God is orchestrating things on your behalf if you're seeking him and following after him. As you wait for the Lord, you need to also watch for the Lord. 
You need to watch for the Lord. In 1 Corinthians 7, it says, What I mean, brothers and sisters, is that the time is short. From now on, those who have wives should live as though they do not, those who mourn as if they did not, those who are happy as if they were not, those who buy something as if it were not theirs to keep, those who use the things of the world as if not engrossed in them, for this world in its present form is passing away. We need to watch for the Lord. We need to take a kingdom or eternal perspective on our lives. Paul is not telling Christian husbands to ditch their wives. It's not an excuse or a cop-out or a way. We found the loophole. I can get out of this bad marriage that I'm in. Paul's not telling us that. He's telling all of us, singles included, to take on an eternal perspective on our lives. Jesus is going to return. You know that, right? He's coming back one day. It could be any day. It could be today. We need to be living our lives as he could return at any moment. One reason singles need to view their marital status in light of eternity is because marriage will die when we die. Jesus actually said this in Matthew chapter 22, verse 30. He says, in the resurrection, people will neither marry or uh, be given in marriage. That means that marriage is only valuable in time, and God calls us to have our eyes on eternity, not on time. So in the same warning, he's talking about marriage, he's talking about emotions, he's talking about finances. The very things that we spend our time worrying about, marriage, emotions, and finances, are the same things that Paul tells us are temporary. Our marriages, love them, it's till death do us part, it's for as long as we live, they are temporary. Our finances, the stuff that we have, our This is temporary stuff. This world is going away. The Bible describes it as a vapor. Here one second, gone the next. We don't need to be focused and so wrapped up on temporary things when God has an eternal perspective and things for us to do. The only permanent thing, the only thing that will last forever is God's kingdom. We have to watch for the Lord. And so Paul's trying to tell us to live life by eternal values because our time here on earth is short. It's just so short. So God truly does have a purpose for singleness. If you're single and all you do is spend your time wanting to be married, you're missing God's purpose for your life. There's nothing wrong with marriage or emotions or finances, but they're short term, and we just have to think longer. So here's an important question. Is your life being narrated by your feelings or your faith? Check out this video. Some of you have a really annoying, whiny, complaining, suspicious, negative narrator. And see, it's wearing you out because you keep going into situations and and, and your narrator keeps on telling you what to think about this and what to think about that. But I got good news for you. Anytime you get ready, you can get a new storyteller. I'm trying to say you can have a life narrated not by feelings, but by faith. I got to ask you a question. Is your life narrated by your feelings or your faith? Man, if I had a hand on a microphone, I might be able to preach like that, right? Some good preaching. Is your life being narrated by your feelings, your desires, the things that you want, the things that you got to have, the things you think you want? Or is it being narrated by your faith? I truly believe that it's better to wait longer for the right person than to be stuck with the wrong one. Great marriages have enough challenges on their own. You don't need the headache or the heartache of being in a bad relationship or an unhealthy marriage. You know, when I was young, you already know, I didn't handle single single years all that well. And so it seemed like I kind of would bounce around from relationship to relationship. 
And, and they were fine people. There was nothing wrong with the relationships, but it just wasn't what God had for me, and I wasn't where God wanted me. It wasn't his timing. And so I kind of let this cloud my judgment. And, my, and so my dad brought me aside, brought me into his office one day, and he took a bunch of graph paper, you know, with the little cubes all over it, and he taped like 10 of them together. And he, he had worked on this beforehand, so he put some effort into this. And he had this long line, and it was like from zero years, and he said, you know, the average lifespan is 80, whatever. You're, what, 14? No, I wasn't 14. Like 17, 18, whatever. Here's your life. And there were cubes that counted every year of my life. And he said, when do you think, son, you'll be married? And I was like, I don't know. I'd like to be married, you know, early, mid-20s, something like that, after college. something. And he's like, all right, so if you're, let's say, 15, and you get married at 20, you have 10 years of waiting to do. But if you lived from 25 to 80, you have all of these years that this 10-year time frame will affect. What are you doing while you're waiting? Why are you putting all this emphasis and pressure and focus on yourself to rush this process when God has so much that he wants to do in your life where he's going to take this small period of waiting to bless the rest of your life? And that visual just stuck with me. I'll probably have to use it with my kids one day, but it's something that just stuck with me. It's better to wait longer than it is to rush into something that God hasn't set up for you. All of us need to wait and watch for the Lord. We also need to work for the Lord. This is number two. Singles have the unique gift of capacity to work for the Lord. And if we back up a couple verses in verse 20, Paul says that each person should remain in the situation they were, they were in when God called them. Brothers and sisters, each person as responsible to God should remain in the situation they were in when God called them. These two verses are very important when it comes to the way your marital status relates to your calling as a Christian. And I love this. It's huge because it relates our status as single or married with our calling. Remain in the calling in which you were called. And so being single, it may not be your lifelong calling, but it is your temporary calling. So what I'm trying to say is that your singleness doesn't just happen to be your current status. I'm currently not with a boyfriend. I'm currently not married. I'm currently single. It's a part of your divine calling. It's where God has you. And there's a world of difference between these two outlooks. The problem many singles face today is they've separated their status from their calling. And it causes all kinds of trouble because it leads you to focus on trying to change your marital status when you miss your calling as a single person. And I got to just admit, this is something that I, by and large, missed as a single person. I enjoyed those years. There was freedom. I got to do lots of things or whatever. But I really do truly believe that I delayed a lot of what God um, has been doing and wants to continue doing in my life because I wasn't focused on God's kingdom agenda. I was more focused on the things that single people worry about. I didn't view the state that I was currently in, my current marital status, as a calling from God. And let me just make sure you understand if you're single, if you're young, if you don't understand calling, calling doesn't mean that you have to be in full-time ministry. Your calling could be a student, high school student, college student. It could be a job. It could be a career. It could be a number of things. That could be your calling, and God can use that for his purposes just as much as he can use a pastor or a worship leader or anybody in full-time ministry on the mission field, it's just as valid. Once you see being single as a calling from God, you can give yourself to following and serving him without fear of the future. And that was the driving thing, I think, behind almost everything I did as a young person, is fear of the future. I don't know where I'm going to be. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know how I'm going to... 
It was fear. And I, I wasn't viewing my calling as being single, as a, as a calling. So remain in the calling to which you were called. Embrace your season and don't separate your status from your calling. I just want to say it again. Remain in the calling to which you were called. Embrace your season and don't separate your status from your calling. Another benefit of singleness is freedom. We've talked a little bit about this, but Paul goes on in verse 32. He says, I would like for you to be free from concern. An unmarried man is concerned about the Lord's affairs, how he can please the Lord, but a married man is concerned about the affairs of this world, how he can please his wife, and his interests are divided. An unmarried woman or virgin is concerned about the Lord's affairs. Her aim is to be devoted to the Lord in both body and spirit. But a married woman is concerned about the affairs of this world, how she can please her husband. So here we see that singles are free and married people are bound. There's nothing wrong with that. That's the nature of a covenant. I love, you know, there's different things you see in marriage ceremonies where there's a unity candle or pouring of sand or colored water. Um, but one of the really cool ones, if you'll ever, you've ever been to a wedding where the you know, bride and groom put their hand together like this and then someone will wrap their hand with a rope and kind of tie a knot. And it's just symbolizing that this is a permanent union. It's an incredible illustration of the permanency of marriage because singles, while you're single, you are free and married people are bound. You know, uh, I'm going to kind of pick on my wife for a second. She's amazing. When I met her, she was this incredibly free spirit. She still is. She's creative. She's passionate. And um, she had spent time in Africa and Germany doing missions work. And so when I met her, I remember walking across campus. We were going to some cookout when we were in school. It was my, our second year. And uh, we're, we're walking along, and she's asking, uh, me and this one other, my good friend, we're walking with her. And she was asking us about our plans, and I was just kind of, I didn't really know where I was going or what I was doing, but she had all these dreams and all these visions, and it was like intimidating to me. And I remember later, I didn't know any of this, but her best friend asked her, like, hey, what do you think about Josiah? And she told her best friend, still to this day, I would eat him for breakfast. All right, I'm just chopped liver. Okay, cool. I have no backbone. You can see who wears the pants in my marriage. Fine. <laughs> yes, I do have dreams. I do have passions. I am strong. But that was her kind of attitude about life. And if she had her way, she really felt like God was calling her to live a life of being single, to travel the world, to just proclaim the gospel. And she would have, except I kind of messed her plans up. I, I just couldn't let her get away. <laughs> and, and God began to kind of work in her heart and kind of change some things. But as spontaneous as she, as she was and as she is, she gave up that stuff. Really, for me, I, and I, if I talk too long, I will choke up. It is our anniversary, by the way, today, <laughs> six years in. And I love her like crazy. And, I, and sometimes, I, you know, I don't feel like this pressure. It's not like she's done anything wrong. But I, I really think about maybe the life she could have had or, you know, all of us do that. But the point is that while you're single, you're free. When you're married, you're bound. And so some things you just lose. There's things that I've had to die to, rightfully so. The same things that my wife and, and if you're married, the same things that you're doing in your marriage. There's things that suddenly fall away. God just releases you from those. And there's some things that you just develop new interests and passions. And it's an amazing. But single believers are free from the distractions of marriage. Married people have a legitimate distraction in one another, but that doesn't mean that a single person can't live without the distraction of marriage. You could be single, and you're constantly thinking about marriage and being married, and you're distracted. And that's exactly what happens when that's all you spend your time thinking about. If you're single and you can answer this question, you will experience God's blessing on your life. Why does God have you single? 
What is he uniquely doing in you, with you, and through you that can only be done now because if, and that's an if, if and when you get married, you won't have the time to do it. God knows that once he gives you a mate, a distraction comes into your life, and it's an awesome distraction. I love marriage. Six years of marriage, it just seems like it just blinked by. I really just, marriage is awesome. I am the biggest proponent. If you know me at all, you know that married life is for me. And so if that's you, that's awesome. If not, I'm not saying anything. I love marriage. But if you're single, there are things that God wants to do in you and through you that he can only do in this moment of time while you are in your current marital status. So don't be distracted. God is calling singles to a deeper commitment to him and greater service for him. The, purpose, uh, the person who has a kingdom perspective, they see singleness as an advantage, not a disadvantage. Yes, there's drawbacks. Yes, you, 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 know, you can't go home to the wife or the husband. You know, you're not provided for. There's things that you're missing out that marriage may or may not provide. But being single has many, many advantages, and that's the view that you choose to take. It's not a disadvantage. Not because marriage is bad, but because it's distracting. So think for a moment to yourself, who, who has had these types of days? You wake up in the morning, you're rushing out the door. It seems like the clock is already ahead of you because you know you have a list of things that you have to get done. And you're feverishly working and you look up at the clock, you think it's like 10 a.m., it's like 3 p.m. You work through lunch, you're not hungry. The day just flew by. Has anybody ever had that kind of day before? Am I the only one, right? And then you show up to work on another day and you're, you don't really have anything to do, and you're just kind of like twiddling your thumbs, you're staring at the clock, time is dragging on. What was the difference between those two days? Well, the first day, obviously, time moved faster, right? And then it's like, no, the clock didn't change its speed. You changed yours. It's all about perspective. The clock didn't change its speed, you changed yours. If you get busy fulfilling God's destiny for your life, the time will pass by and be more profitable than if you sit around frustrated that you aren't married. Paul's point about being free from concern is that we can't be divided. We can't be divided. We can't be distracted. God truly does want to have it all. We sang it this morning. I love Matthew 6, 24. It says that no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So here's an illustration of money, but it could be emotions, money, marriage. Fine. It could be a number of things that distract you and get you divided. God wants everything. The moment you are divided emotionally or spiritually, you've let singleness get in the way of God's kingdom purpose for your life. So the last key that we're going to talk about today out of 1 Corinthians 7, the third key for sing, uh, singles to live out a kingdom agenda in their life is if and when the time comes to marry that you be wed in the Lord. And so this is for those who you know that God has a call in your life to be married. It's something that will happen at some point, you know, if God blesses. And, or maybe you're engaged, or maybe that time is approaching soon. Make sure that you are wed in the Lord. 1 Corinthians 39, it says, A wife is bound to her husband as long as he lives, but if her husband dies, she is free to marry anyone she wishes, but only in the Lord. Only in the Lord, because marriage is forever. You guys have seen The Sandlot, right? Anybody love that childhood movie, Sandlot? Forever. You're, if you haven't seen it, you're like, this guy's having a seizure. I don't know what's wrong with him. It's an awesome scene. Just go YouTube Sandlot forever. It's forever. Marriage is forever. It was meant to be permanent. And let me just tell you, I'm just going to clue you in if you're single. And if you're a lady, I'm just going to 
be honest, I am one. All men are liars. It's true. <laughs> Don't laugh, ladies. It's Father's Day. <laughs> men are liars. It's just the fact of the game. And you know why I know that's true? Is because when you were dating, he'd rush around the car and open that door for you. He'd tell you, you're the prettiest thing I've ever seen. But he just told the girl he was just with, you know, she was the prettiest thing in there. I guess that could still be true if you meant it every time. But he'd open the car door. He would do these elaborate creative dates. And then year one of marriage, where did all that stuff go, right? He's lying. <laughs> it's, it's, not, it's just kind of a, a fact of life. We become complacent. We become very comfortable. We've worked for the prize. And so now we're married. But even though I'm kind of having fun and poking fun, in spite of fights and problems that come with marriage, marriage was meant to be a permanent bond between a man and a woman. And when Paul said believers are supposed to marry in the Lord, this rules out non-Christians. This simply rules out non-Christians. It doesn't matter how hot, how attractive, how talented, how whatever, whatever floats your boat. It doesn't matter if he's hitting all the right notes and buttons and all. It doesn't matter because it rules out non-Christians. You know, uh, one time there was this lady flying to Canada, and she was in the airport on standby, kind of just waiting for her next flight, and this smooth-talking guy kind of comes up and says, hey, I'm heading to Florida. Why don't you come with me? And she said, I'm sorry, I'm not going that direction. And if you're a Christian, your ultimate permanent destination is heaven, not hell. So if you marry, when you marry, it has to be in the Lord. If you belong to Jesus, you're going to heaven, not to hell. And so unless the other person is willing to fly with you in the same direction, the same destination, you can't marry them. So at this point, you might be asking yourself, are there any good examples of someone who handled singleness God's way? So let's quickly, real quick as we wrap up, take a look at an awesome story. It's in Genesis 37, and it's about Joseph. And um, uh, skipping over to chapter 39, you know that uh, the story of Joseph, I'm not going to go into all the background, but basically he was young and he had all these older brothers and he kept having these dreams that they were going to bow down and worship him. And he kept telling his brothers this. They didn't like him. They threw him in a pit. They sold him into slavery. He went off. And it's so cool because even though he was a slave in Egypt, his brothers sold him into slavery. In Genesis 39:2, it says the Lord was with Joseph. So he became a successful man. Not only was the Lord with Joseph, but it says that and Joseph's master saw that the Lord was with him and how the Lord caused all that he did to prosper in his hand. And so I just want to ask you, if you're sitting there today and you're single, are you, uh, I'm sorry, I just want to ask you, if you're a Christian single, not only can you be successful, but are you a shining light to the unbelievers around you? Can other people see that God's hand is on your life, that he's blessing everything that you touch? It's a really kind of a tough question because it talks about the way that you're living. Are you worried about your current status? Are you living with God's agenda and you're just kind of on a higher plane of living? Not only can you be successful, but you can live a life that shines for Jesus. Do unbelievers in your life know that the Lord is with you? Things were going well for Joseph, but what would happen when Joseph experienced temptation and troubles? You all know the story when he was serving Potiphar. Potiphar was like the highest in the land. And Potiphar's wife kind of gets an eye for Joseph. He must have been a good-looking guy, the Bible describes. And so she basically throws herself at him. And she finds him in secret and, and tries to kind of uh, rope him in. And the Bible says that David literally ran. He ran out of Potiphar's house. And he did that to hold on to his character and to maintain his moral purity, to maintain his moral purity. If you're a single guy out there, you might be thinking, you know, I'm God's gift to women. It's just true. 
I'm single. I'm confident. I'm cocky. I'm hot stuff. I'm God's gift to women. He made me a man. That's who I am. You know how I operate, and that's true. God made you a male. God made female. He gave us desires. He gave us things that drive us. He gave us natural inclinations. That's a fact of life, and those things are tough to deal with many, many times, and it doesn't stop once marriage starts. But when he made you a man and when you became a Christian, you became a Christian man. And you live different than the world lives. You just live different than the world lives. Joseph was actually thrown into prison for evading Potiphar's wife's advances. If you're struggling as a single, God is with you. Joseph stayed faithful for two years in prison for simply doing the right thing. And after two years, God brought him through it and brought him out of it. And he gave him a wife at the age of 30, and he put him as second in command over the entire land. That's what God can do in your life if you remain faithful to him, even through the struggle. So single person listening to this today, you may feel like you're in a holding pattern, like you're just kind of circling with nowhere to land, and it is frustrating. I've been there. Many of us have. Many of you might be currently. It can be frustrating. I get that. I understand But you can sit there and stare out the window, watching the clock, letting time drag by, or you can get to work. You can get to work. Don't let time drag on and prolong this process, but God has so much for you to do while you're waiting for a mate. If you'll sell out for the agenda that God has for your life, he can satisfy every area of your life where you are so fulfilled that you literally forget what it is that you feel like you're waiting for. I guarantee it. When a plane's in a holding passenger, no pass, I'm sorry, when a plane is in a holding pattern, no passenger has control of when it lands, where it lands. We're just along for the ride. God has the controls. He knows what he's doing. Leave it up to him and just get to work. I don't know how long God will have you to be single, but what I do know is that he doesn't want any of us to waste the time that he's given to us. He wants singles to maximize living single, to make the most of it. And to do that, you have to keep your focus on God. You know, this isn't like rocket science. It's not deep theological stuff. But this is the key to to all of today's message. You have to keep your focus on God. And there's a few responses you can have. You can gripe. God, I'm tired of waiting. I'm frustrated. It's it's been a long time. You know the desires I have, but I just, I'm going to complain. I'm going to gripe. I'm going to become bitter. I'm just going to be in a bad mood. You can grab. You can take matters into your own hands. You can Find the next person that comes along and pursue them, and you can make it happen. But I guarantee you, if you force something that God hasn't lined up for your life, it's not going to end well for you. So don't gripe. Don't grab. I really think there's only one option, and all of us can do this, no matter who we are. We can grow. We can grow. And so if you're single today, and you have that gift of capacity, you have that flexibility, you don't have the distractions, I want to challenge you to do a couple of things. If you're sitting around and you've got time in your hands and you really want to sell out to God and see what he has for your life, I really feel like you need to join a life group here at Destiny or any other church you're a part of, but you need to be in a group with other believers growing in your faith on a consistent basis. We have our summer life groups happening right now. You can go online and check those out. Join a life group and commit to a group of people who would challenge you in your faith. And the second thing you can do is go through growth track and join a dream team. If you're sitting there and you're 13, 14, 15, older, it doesn't really matter, and you're thinking, I don't really think I can serve, I'm too young, that's garbage. 
Because God has call, a calling on every person's life. No one can look down on you because you're young, but you should set an example to the believers, to the church, in how you act and how you live your life. Go through growth track, find out an area of serving that you can plug into and connect with, and then serve the church. And if you do those two things, God is going to move mightily in your life. He's going to orchestrate things that you never could have orchestrated on your own. So this morning, I'm just going to ask if everyone would stand with me. We're just going to say a prayer this morning. I know that we've got a church full of young people and, and people who've been married and are out of marriage or are widowed. Or, and as I mentioned, it doesn't really matter if you could be married and find yourself experiencing many of these same issues. And so I just want to pray this morning that God would truly help us to grow in our faith and sell out for his purposes. Father God, I just thank you so much for the opportunity to speak today. And Lord, I know what it's like to be a young person and to, to have a fear of the future, to not know where my life is going or what I'm doing. And many people here today, God, may still face those issues. I know I do, Father. But Lord, our desire is that you would take that fear, you would replace it with a peace that only you can give, God, and that you would come and you would take us by the hand and lead and guide and direct every aspect of our lives. Lord, I just pray a prayer of protection over every single in this room, God, that you would protect them from temptation, from, Lord, uh, moral impurity, God, from the, the snares that easily entrap us and entangle us, the things that trip us up and hold us back, the addictions that we face, God. Lord, that you would just supernaturally protect young people from the lies and the traps of the enemy, God, and that you would show them, Father, if they pursue you and hold out and cling to the calling that you have for their lives, God, there is a far greater reward than they could ever imagine, Father, here on earth and in heaven. If you are here today and you find yourself um, not even really thinking about singleness or marriage, but you haven't even begun your walk with the Lord, you haven't even really given him control ever in your life, then I want to just lead you in a very simple prayer. And you don't have to say this out loud. You can say this in your head, but it's, it's something like this. It's just that, God, I've been searching for a purpose in my life. I've been searching for meaning. And Lord, I understand that it's only going to come from a relationship with you, a relationship that I have never had. And so right now, God, in this very moment, I am saying yes to you. I am giving you the reins, the controls of my life that you would sit on the throne of my heart, that you would be my number one priority, God, and that I would follow hard after you. Take me and use me, God, for your kingdom purposes. In Jesus' name, amen.